Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Welcome to Noble Blood, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Listener discretion advised. Quote, in the entryway, the princess, a 72-year-old Texan with blonde hair, unwrinkled porcelain skin, and pearls dripping onto her black overcoat, noted that the crimson cloth baldachin hanging over pictures of her late husband was found only in homes that descended from popes, end quote. This is one of the first sentences of a 2022 New York Times article written by reporter Jason Horowitz. The subject, Principessa Ritti, Bun Compagni Ludovisi, widowed wife of Italian prince, Niccolo Boncompagni Ludovisi. She was formerly known as Rita Genret and Rita Carpenter before that. Americans marrying into European aristocracy, even royalty, is of course statistically rare, but not without plenty of examples. Long before Meghan Markle, Grace Kelly will pop into mind for some, and, of course, there was the cultural wave of the American dollar princesses during the Gilded Age, the women whose marriages supplied struggling European houses with cash and new money American families with fancy titles in return. Rita's story, however, is a little different than the one you might be imagining. Chances are you don't know many ranchers' daughters turned political researchers, turned congressional wives, turned playboy models, turned authors, turned actors, turned real estate agents, turned princesses. Still, despite a life with that many twists, Rita claimed she had, quote, never seen anything like the inheritance battle that followed the death of her husband which she was embroiled in for years, a battle that only ended this April. It's a scale of an inheritance battle that would make succession fans drool. But instead of Roman Roy, we have Roman princes, along with the Italian government and the ghost of Caravaggio. Rita married her prince, but it turns out happily ever after in the real world can involve a lot more bureaucracy than fairy tales might have prepared us for. I'm Dana Schwartz, and this is Noble Blood. Born in 1949 in San Antonio and raised in Austin, Rita may not have been born a princess, but she was the closest thing America has to royalty. She was the daughter of a millionaire. Her father was C. Hunt Carpenter, 
the founder of the Shamrock Insurance Company in San Antonio, who came into major wealth after discovering natural gas on one of his ranches. Rita's mother, Reba Garlington, was described by Rita as a, quote, blue blood, who was pleased with the eventual match between her daughter and a prince, as she felt that Rita had, quote, finally married someone like her. By this, Reba meant that her ancestors had settled in Virginia in the early 1600s, where they owned tobacco plantations. The aggressive, gone-with-the-windian style of the names C. Hunt Carpenter and Reba Garlington might have been a clue that this story would eventually have a plantation money cameo. In the early 1800s, the Garlington family relocated to Texas and established Garlington Ranch in Jasper. A 1955 Times Magazine national affairs blurb about Texas, under the delightfully Southern Gothic headline, The Deer Slayers, describes the Garlingtons as, quote, a tough, aloof clan of ranchers who have prospered as breeders of Brahmin cattle, end quote. Growing up, Rita was a self-described tomboy who spent her days climbing trees and reading. Her carefree nature shifted when she skipped two grades and was suddenly an 11-year-old with 13-year-old peers. I felt like an alien being, she reflected, remembering her attempts at wearing makeup as she realized everyone around her had grown up. She describes every day from 7th to 9th grade as hell, absolute hell, often eating lunch alone in the bathroom or sitting on her glasses so she could get sent home early. The summer before 10th grade was Rita's The Summer I Turned Pretty, puberty turning her unrecognizable to her peers. She remembers, one boy came up to me and said, Hi, do you want to go out? I'll never forget it. I said, No, I don't want to go out with you. You were so cruel to me when I was in the 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. I cried every single night. Things would only get better for Rita following those school years. In 1971, Rita graduated cum laude from the University of Texas with honors and with a degree in history and a minor in political science. Do you think she listens to the show? In 1973, Rita married a U.S. Army pilot named Edward Coleman, but the couple would split only a little over a year later. The same year she was married, she secured her first position out of school as director of research for the Texas Republican Party. And in 1975, she was appointed opposition research director of the Republican National Party. Life in D.C., however, ended up taking a different path than Rita could have imagined. The same day Rita interviewed for the job, she met John Genret, a first-term Democratic congressman from South Carolina, who was making a name for himself, not for his politics, but for a very messy divorce in which his wife named 23, quote, correspondents, and he was reportedly surprised that she could name only 23. 
John asked Rita out that day, proposing he'd fly her to the Virgin Islands where they'd sunbathe naked together. She turned him down. Smooth he was not, she wrote years later. But she did accept a date the next time they met. He showed her the glamorous side of D.C., and though Rita had come from wealth, she considered the environment like nothing she had seen in Texas, and she was decidedly wooed. The two fell in love, moved in together, and when her boss at the RNC told her she either had to dump her Democratic boyfriend or quit her job, she quit. A year later, in 1976, the couple were married. He was 40, and she was 26. Things were okay at first, but a year in, Rita realized she was in another unhappy marriage. John continued to build his repertoire of correspondence, apparently near constantly flirting or going much further with other women, and all of that was exacerbated by his serious drinking problem. However, Rita didn't love the idea of being twice divorced by 27, and John and his team didn't love the optics of being a twice-divorced congressman, so they tried to stay together. Rita was also grappling with the career change from congressional researcher to congressional wife. Quite bluntly, I hated my life as congressional wife, she wrote in the Washington Post in 1980. I have played that game long enough. I'm fed up with people trying to paint me as a dumb blonde and a gold digger because I'm an attractive woman who happened to marry a congressman. I'm tired of having to smile and be polite while constituents and lobbyists elbow me out of the way so they can rub shoulders with my husband. I've had it with small-town reporters who never bother to check the facts and then accuse me of being publicity-hungry when I try to set the record straight. Well said, Rita. At the time of writing that piece, Rita was no longer a congressional wife, not because the couple was divorced, but because John was no longer a congressman. He had been implicated in the FBI sting operation known as ABSCAM, where seven members of Congress were caught on tape accepting bribes from a fake Arabian Company, Abscam, a.k.a. Arab Scam. I've got larceny in my blood, John was recorded saying. I'd take it in a goddamn minute. You can say a lot about Rita and John, but they did not mince words when it came to public statements. They finally separated the following year, and Rita's next move would both put her on a national stage and define much of her public life to this day. In 1981, she appeared in a Playboy spread, photographed with a feather boa, a brandy snifter, and that's about it. Why did she choose to do it? John, known serial cheater, had apparently told her no one wanted to see a 31-year-old woman with her clothes off. I just thought, I'll show you, she reflected years later also once admitting that the money was needed. With John about to be convicted, she was the sole breadwinner in the family. 
The photos were accompanied by an article she wrote entitled The Liberation of a Congressional Wife, in which she expressed many of the same feelings of isolation and diminishment that she would recount in the post piece, but with an additional playboy twist. The article's bombshell came in the form of Rita writing that one night she and her husband made love on the marble steps that overlooked the monuments. She published a tell-all, My Capital Secrets, that same year, promising details of, quote, the endless parties, drop your clothes at the door orgies, alcoholic bashes, the cocaine, the call girls, and call boys, from, quote, the lady who blew the lid off Washington. It was a bestseller. Listeners of the podcast You're Wrong About will be familiar with the knowledge that the media in the 80s loved a few things. Women behaving, quote, badly, political scandals, and sex scandals. And Rita served up all three on a silver platter. A 1986 article referred to her public image as a racy curiosity, a one-woman freak show, She did the talk show circuits and the big interviews and defended her book's legitimacy. When a man like Daniel Ellsberg writes an expose, he's applauded. When a woman does it, suddenly it's a kiss and tell, she told the Washington Post in 81. When the interviewer countered with the reminder that Daniel Ellsberg did not pose for Playboy, nor did he reveal that he made love with his partner on the Capitol steps, she responded, quote, I don't see what taking off my clothes has to do with what I wrote. She openly declared herself a feminist in the same interview. The thing is, however, that Rita now claims that the story about the Capitol steps was never true. I think part of me said, okay, this is the image you think of me now. I'm this sexy playboy femme fatale, and I'm here to take over and marry rich and famous men. That's what you think of me, so that's what I'll give you somehow, she said. She further clarified that what actually happened was a, quote, romantic moment, but not a salacious one. Just some good, clean, above-the-waist kissing between two married people. Rita has never said she regrets Playboy, but in 2011, she reflected on that time of her life, saying, quote, I'm a serious person and I read a lot. I have a 139 IQ, so to have this other image, which was just like another person, was so traumatic for me. I was lost. She would pose for Playboy one more time in 1984, this time on the cover, but she also pivoted toward different career pursuits. First, acting, appearing on Fantasy Island in 1982, and in a 1984 film called Zombie Island Massacre. Lots of island-related projects on her resume. She then worked for some time as an on-air journalist for Fox's A Current Affair, described by The Times as, quote, the salacious television news weekly. Rita then pivoted in a different direction, real estate. Her biggest deal? The sale of the General Motors building to none other than Donald Trump, in 1998. He will be the first of two, huh, inducing cameos in this story. 
Rita's real estate era also, finally, brings us to her meeting with one Prince Niccolo Boncompagni Ludovisi. Rita and the prince had mutual friends, who connected them for work in 2003. They called me and said, We have this prince who would like to develop a hotel on his property, she recalled. I said, Oh, for heaven's sake, everyone in New York calls themselves count or prince or whatever. They're not. Despite the prince already being married to his second wife, he claimed their meeting was, quote, probably written in the stars. He described their first encounter to the New Yorker in the couple's joint 2011 profile. I said in the clumsiest way one can even imagine, well, you are not ugly. She's beautiful, of course, but she's as beautiful inside. She's candid like a child, but shrewd like a fox. The prince invited Rita to his property in Rome, which she agreed to, likely in part because of her degree, which was studying Italian history. There, they fell in love and married in 2009. This is probably a good time to figure out exactly who the Boncompagni Ludovisis are, so let's run through a few names and dates. They were, of course, not always the Boncompagni Ludovisis, but once the Boncompagnis and the Ludovisis, two powerful noble families with papal titles. The Ludovisis are known as an ancient noble family, originating from Bologna, while the Boncompagnis settled there in the 1400s, likely coming from Umbria. A Boncompagni was Pope Gregory XIII, while a Ludovisi was Pope Gregory XV. In 1634, the Ludovisis acquired the Principality of Piombino in Tuscany, and after the 1681 marriage between Gregorio il Boncompagni and Ippolita Ludovisi, the families merged in 1708, ruling together as the Boncompagni Ludovisis, which was a strategic move to keep the Ludovisi name in power after the princess had no sons. No one has actually ruled Piombino since 1801, but the title of prince is still held by sons of the family. The Ludovisi family had acquired the property that would be called the Casino de Villa Boncampi Ludovisi in 1621, which is the villa that we'll focus on today. The property was originally established by Cardinal Francesco Maria del Monte, who beyond his religious duties, was an intellectual and a connoisseur of the arts. He's best known today for his early patronage of Caravaggio, as well as Galileo. The Cardinal's support resulted in the villa becoming home to the only painting Caravaggio did on a ceiling, 1597's Jupiter, Neptune, and Pluto, its symbolism reflecting the Cardinal's interest in alchemy. The writer Henry James once stayed at the villa, writing in 1883, Certainly there is nothing better in Rome and perhaps nothing so beautiful. Inside there is everything, dark avenues shaped for centuries with scissors, valleys, clearings, groves. The same year that James visited, the Boncompagni Ludovisi princes sold and divided much of the property. They kept in the family the former hunting lodge, known today as Villa Aurora, 
where one can find the Caravaggio along with works from Guercino, Pomerancino, and Michelangelo, among others. Quote, from my perspective, the whole history of the West is in that building. T. Corey Brennan, professor at the American Academy in Rome, told The New Yorker. This is the home Rita would come to live in with her husband, and the home she would dedicate herself to restoring and archiving. In that same article, Rita gave a tour to the writer and guests. This is my husband's coat of arms, our coat of arms now, she explained. She showed them the statue of Pan by Michelangelo in the garden, the marble trough near the front gates that dated back to Hadrian, the Roman emperor's time. She pointed out the tunnel in the kitchen that she believed used to connect the villa to the Medici Palace. She put on a pair of white gloves and read to the guests the letters from Marie Antoinette and King Louis XV she and her husband found in a storage room. She never said, let them eat cake, Rita told the guests as she showed off the queen's signature. She got a bad rep. Again, princess, I feel like she would enjoy this show. Arriving at the Caravaggio, a guest remarked that it was quite obscene, in-your-face sexuality, Rita replied, something she had been familiar with. His penis and everything else. He was courageous. You're talking about post-Reformation when they were still burning people at the stake, end quote. Years after this article, she would claim she spotted the ghost of Caravaggio, quote, in a loincloth like Tarzan, hunting the grounds. And if you're thinking, Dana, tell me more, I am so sorry to report that that is the extent of the story that we get. Rita and Niccolo's renovation project was both costly and slow, partly thanks to the villa's designation as a national monument, meaning the government had to be consulted on many tasks. Water damage, diseased trees the kind of things that have been known to bankrupt noble families in charge of massive estates. The family had apparently neglected the villa for many years, and when Niccolo inherited it after his father's death, it was abandoned, with birds flying through it. We gave up everything, Rita said. I didn't go out shopping and buy Birkin bags and shoes and the latest fashion or anything else at all and Rita began to give tours to support the renovation costs. The princess wanted the villa to once again become a haven for artists and intellectuals, as it had been in the days of Cardinal Del Monte. She hosted a dinner for, and here is your second, huh, cameo, Woody Allen, of all people, who she once auditioned for, and Annie Leibovitz attended one of her tours. Rita also found a team of scholars with whom she worked on archiving the 150,000 pages of historical documents found in home storage, including the letters from Marie Antoinette. Rita and the prince did not have children together, but Niccolo had three sons from his previous marriages. When they were small, you would have eaten them up, he said in The New Yorker. When they grow up, you sort of regret that you didn't. Perhaps Caravaggio should have chosen for his painting the myth of Saturn devouring his son. Niccolo's children were not eaten, and so the sons would become important players in our story. 
In 2018, Prince Niccolo died at 77 years old, setting off an inheritance battle between Rita and the prince's children from his earlier marriage over the state of the villa. In the legal nitty-gritty, Niccolo's will gave his wife the right to stay in the property for the rest of her life, and if sold, the proceeds were to be split between Rita and his sons. The dispute was best summed up in an article from Tattler, explaining, quote, Rita claimed that Prince Niccolo's will gives her the right to stay in the mansion for the rest of her life. However, his three sons dispute this, arguing that their grandfather, Prince Gregorio, had intended for them to one day inherit the historic building and that their father had mismanaged his fortune, end quote. On a personal level, the brothers argued that Rita was a gold digger who did not have their father's longevity at heart. Rita, in turn, pointed to the brothers' respective legal troubles. Rita and the family weren't able to reach any form of agreement, so a judge ordered in 2022 that the villa was simply to be sold. The asking price upon auction? 471 million euros, or $533 million. The number of bidders? Zero. The professor at the University of Rome, who was tasked with establishing the monetary value of the villa, regarded that it was priceless from a cultural standpoint, but imagined an estimated 10 million euros would be required for necessary restoration work. Not many people would be up to that task. For the duration of the legal battle, Rita was allowed to live in the villa's third-floor apartment, which her stepson, Prince Bonte, referred to disparagingly as the peasant quarters. Rita lived with her four Bichon Frise dogs, George Washington, Gioia, Milord, and Henry James, after the once visitor. Rita also lived with her Ukrainian maid and her maid's daughter and grandchildren, who fled Kiev last year after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. However, all of that ended this January, when a judge ruled that Rita was to be evicted on the ground that she had not been properly maintaining the building after the collapse of a wall led to the closure of an adjacent street. She was additionally accused of organizing unauthorized tours. In April, Rita and her Bichon Frises were escorted out of the villa as the eviction was finalized and a locksmith changed the locks on the front door. Prince Bonte waited outside to watch, quote, being liberated from that woman. Princess is not her title, he shouted. Because she is American, she cannot do whatever she wants, he told reporters who had gathered. He later told the New York Post, this is our country, we have our police, we have our judges, and you need to respect our countries. Otherwise, you can go back to, where the hell, Texas or the place she's from. The Post takes this time to note that Prince Bonte is wanted in the U.S. for his conviction in a domestic assault case against his American wife in Newport, Rhode Island. His brother, Francesco, was jailed in the early 90s for a scheme to counterfeit 250,000 credit cards, and in 2017, he served an additional jail term in Austria for tax evasion. 
But what did Rita have to say as another era in her very full life of twists and turns came to a close? Quote, I feel like I'm in a surreal movie, like Sartre's No Exit, she told reporters on the street. I see no logic in this. I was a good custodian for the villa. I love Italy, and I'm so sorry to have such a brutal ending to what has been a labor of love for 20 years. That labor of love is apparently culminating in a book about the villa, which she told those reporters she would release later this year. It's dedicated to my husband, Niccolo, she said before getting in a taxi with her dogs, waving out the window to reporters, and speeding away. That's the story of the stranded princess, Rita Boncompagni Ludovisi. But keep listening after a brief sponsor break to hear a little bit more about Rita's work and how you can find it for yourself. The weather is getting warmer, so it is time to say goodbye to your jackets and heavy sweaters. Hello to shorts and tees. If you are anything like me, you have this urge around this time of year to completely overhaul your wardrobe, but ideally you wanna do that without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. They have these amazing European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and honestly, my new favorite pair of summer sunglasses I got from Quince. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com noble for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash noble to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince dot com slash noble. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Rita's work in the villa not only included archiving the documents that she and her husband found, but digitizing them as well. The extensive collection, the Archivo Digital Bon Compi Ludovisi, is classified as a collaboration between T. Corey Brennan, the professor mentioned earlier, the prince, and the principessa. It's full of posts documenting the family history from the 10th century to the present. And if you're a history nerd, which I imagine if you're here, you might be, it's something you might want to check out for free online. Noble Blood is a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Noble Blood is created and hosted by me, Dana Schwartz, with additional writing and researching by Hannah Johnston, Hannah Zwick, 
Mira Hayward, Courtney Sender, and Lori Goodman. The show is edited and produced by Noemi Griffin and Rima Ilkayali, with supervising producer Josh Thane and executive producers Aaron Mankey, Alex Williams, and Matt Frederick. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.